Welcome to your podcast. My name is Vanessa, and you're listening to Imperfect Woman. In honor of my one-year wedding anniversary, I want to discuss all the difficulties about being married. Why didn't anyone tell me? And of course, all the sweet moments. With my guest speaker, we'll also be discussing four out of the seven principles Dr. John Gottman said it's necessary to make a marriage work. So let's get started. First, let me thank everyone who took the time and listened to this last episode. It really was difficult to just air it out and knowing that people were actually listening to it. Um, But it was such an also an amazing feeling getting all the messages, text messages, and phone calls related to the episode. Again, thank you, everyone. So like I said, this month is my one-year wedding anniversary, and I am so excited. And while it's been great, boy, have I learned a lot, not only about myself, but about him as well. So I guess you can say it hasn't been all peaches and cream. And because knowledge is power, I've taken the time to read and learn and try to implement Dr. John Gottman's seven principles on how to make a marriage work, which is what we're going to be discussing today. With me today, I have the CEO and founder of Dear Ava Children's Boutique, She's a comedian, so she thinks she is. She's a West Texas A&M graduate, a teacher, a mother, a wife, and my mother's least favorite daughter. (laughs) With me today, I have my sister, Tiffany Corredo. Hi, Tiff. Thank you so much for really just being with me today and joining me. Are you nervous as I am? Yes, I am very nervous. (laughs) It's okay, I am too. Um, But you know what? I have to admit that there's two reasons. Don't cry, okay? Oh, man. (laughs) There's two reasons why I asked you to be my first guest speaker, especially on this particular... You're already about to cry. (laughs) (laughs) On on this particular um, topic, okay? So reason number one, honestly, I'm I'm still scared to do this. Like, I'm still scared to start this journey. And, and I know it sounds ridiculous because people are like, it's just a podcast. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I feel like when I'm jumping into something headfirst, um, it's okay to ask a best friend to do it with you. And it's okay to have somebody there holding your hand while you walk through the journey. And when something just seems unfamiliar and you need comfort, I always think of you. So I feel like, hey, I'm still scared, but let me you know, let me have you here to kind of help me out and ease it a little bit. And reason number two, honestly, you know, I have the highest respect for you and your husband's relationship. Um, I know that you two are two individuals with two different paths and you guys just kind of came together, but the way that you guys, for the most part, from what I see, you're always on the same page, the way that you guys respect each other, you honor each other, but you're also not afraid to admit that, yeah, marriage is hard. So Dr. John Gottman is actually a psychological researcher who he, dude, he's dedicated years of his life to conducting research on marriages, on what makes a marriage work and and what makes it fail. Um, and I understand that, you know, not everyone decides to be married and and that's okay to, to each their own. But for the sake of this episode, we're going to use the word marriage because that's something that you and I are both in. 
And of course, for all the single ladies, you know, that before you go off and turn off the episode, do know that your single phase is probably one of the most important phases for marriage. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the time that you really get to gain that knowledge, learn who you are yeah. before going into a marriage. Right. Um, so anyways, after decades, you know how I said that, Dr. Gottman? Years, right? Decades of, of research. So he claims, get this, he claims that after only 15 minutes, he can predict, which by the way, he has 91% accuracy, if a couple will live happily ever after or if they're on the path to doom. Oh, okay. I'd be scared to would you? sit in a room with him. So, I mean, would you want to meet him? I think I would, actually. I mean, I, I feel pretty confident, but I don't know. <laughs> you know what? No, I, do. I don't want to meet him. I feel like those... 15 minutes are going to be the most stressful, <laughs> the most stressful 15 minutes of your marriage. Yeah. I can already see myself like elbowing Jose, like, why'd you say that? Yeah. You know, like be on your best behavior sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so everything in today's episode is actually going to be advice from his book and his research, which by the way, if you have not um, read his book, or if you don't even know who Dr. John Gottman is, which is fine, um, go get his book. It's called The Seven Principles on How to Make a Marriage Work. Work on your marriage. Invest energy, invest time, invest knowledge into it. But he says that a key to a successful marriage is being emotionally intelligent. Basically, it means that you honor and respect each other. Okay, that's pretty much the, 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 the bottom line of it. Um, so Dr. Gottman's research, along with his wife, Dr. Julie Gottman, they came up with these seven principles, which is what we're going to be discussing today. Okay, so principle number one, enhance your love maps. So many couples fall into the habit of inattention to the details of your spouse's life. Okay, so basically your love map is the details that you know about your spouse. Right, right. Okay. So being emotionally intelligent just basically means being familiar with his world or for him, it'll be with your world and making that cognitive space for your partner's life or their relationship. Things like major events in his life. Um, or like if, if, um, you guys go to a restaurant, like, do you know what he's going to order? Right. Um, what's his favorite salad dressing, stuff like that, or like his favorite coworker, the one he likes the least, you know, it's those little small, um, details. Um, actually, you know, I'm going to tell you a story really quick because I'm always full of stories. Um, there's a couple I know and she says that out of nowhere, he came back with the cherry donut, which I, Tiff, I know you like cherry. I, I love cherry. Yeah, donut. me too. Um, he came back with the cherry donut and she said, "Ew, I hate cherry donuts. He said, no, you don't. You love them. And she said, no. She said, I like blueberry donuts. Since when? He said, I, I've always, you know, when we started dating, I would always get you cherry because that was your favorite. Oh, she said, huh, I guess, I guess it used to be, but not anymore. So is there something, I got a question for you. Is there something that you or your husband um, have changed since early in the marriage? So something that you guys liked or didn't like or did, I don't know. So what is something that, or is there something that you Yeah, got? absolutely. I I think, you know, starting with love language, I've learned in my personal life, you know, that when we started 
or when we were just newlyweds and even when we started dating, my love language was completely different than what it is now. And my love language now is what used to rank at the very bottom. Okay. And for those that don't know, a love language basically means the way that you show love and the way that you receive love. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've seen that, you know, um, I've seen that change. And then also I think, you know, you mentioned how changes like changes in life and events that happen in life will sometimes change your character. And so for us, um, you know, in, in a span of a very short time, we went from being single to dating, to married, to having children. And shortly after having our daughter, we made the decision for me to come home. And that really just changed me in a whole different way because I went from being, you know, not only a, a wife or uh, a coworker and all that, but I went from being all those things to being a mother 24 seven. So now, you know, my needs suddenly became completely different than what they used to be. And so I feel like my husband, he had to really pay attention and really learn what my new needs were in order to meet them. And I think it takes a lot of having a lot of open conversations, transparent conversations and communicating with your partner like, hey, this I no longer, you know, need or this no longer is my love language. I, I, I love when you do this and I feel loved when you do this and I would appreciate if you did this because a lot of times we just expect them to know and it's not like that. There, there has to be a lot of communication. So what was your love language like when you first started dating? So when we first started dating, my love language was quality time. So spending that time together. Spending time together and granted, um, we didn't live together prior to marriage. We both had full-time jobs during the week. So, you know, during the week, our time together was very limited. And so weekends were very special for us. So naturally, quality time was my love language. When I didn't spend time with him, like, you know, I would feel like something was missing. Well, now, you know, we're living together. We see each other every day. Things are different. And now I've learned that my love language is actually gifts. And... At first, you know, I, I felt kind of like shallow, like, ooh, you know, I love gifts. But it's not so much about, you know, wanting the expensive gift. For me now, what's meaningful is when he comes home with a bag of M&Ms because he knows I love M&Ms. You know, th that's what I find the meaning in. Thoughtful. Exactly. Because to me, it just shows, hey, I was at the store and I thought about you. So, so now that has became my love language. And you know, also we have to take in consideration like different live events, like you said, and then we got married. Right. Um, so stuff like a new baby, which it, it, that's been the case for me, you know, it's, it's having that new baby or we have a two month old now to also, we have job shifts and illnesses, retirement. So anything with a new life event can cause people to lose their ways. And I'm going to say that on quote, lose their way. Therefore you have to update your love map. And that's what Dr. Gottman is saying is every so often update your love map. And, and, you know, now that my husband and I, mean, like I said, we've only been married this one year, but because a new event has happened, you know, the baby, yeah. um, we've had to kind of learn each other again. Right. It's so easy to become consumed in your role of motherhood, especially like for me where I'm with Ava 24 seven. 
So from the moment she wakes up to the moment she goes to sleep, my life and my time is dedicated to her. 24-7. 24-7. And so I feel like it's very easy to lose myself in that and forget the part of me that used to be a teacher, the part of me that was a friend, the part of me that was a wife even. Because you become so consumed in this child and their needs. So, you know, like with you saying that, like, you know, it's 24 seven job and, and I can definitely agree to that. So how difficult is it to update your quote unquote love map? So what can couples do and, um, to make time for that? Because like you said, there isn't time. You don't have time. Like you have this toddler who you're running around 24 seven. So what can, or what do you do to kind of update that time with him? I think it's very difficult. Um, especially when, you think you have it down and then it changes again. So I think it's very difficult. But again, I really think it goes back to having those open and transparent conversations. And, you know, I think it's very cliche. And we, we often hear the key to marriage is communication, you know, like how that's such an important Mm -hmm. factor, but more than communication, I think you have to really create a safe space for oh, you and your husband a, to have open conversations. Safe space, I like that. I like you know, I, I think it's important for your husband to feel as though he can come up to you and talk to you about something without the fear of you getting upset or offended or defensive. Because all that does is it completely shuts him out. Right. And okay, well, now I know that bringing something up is going to cause an argument. I'll just bottle it up. That's good. So I really think, you know, it's just creating that space from the get-go that, hey, we can have open conversations here. Ew, I love that. And, you know, well, for uh, my husband and I, one thing that we do is at the end of the day is just always ask each other, hey, how was work? Something as simple as that is just simply asking. And you might not even care. I'm sure there's days where you probably don't care because you're so tired. Um, But just simply asking, hey, how was your day? Right. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, you have to make time in marriage. If you don't have time to work on your marriage, then don't get married. Hear that single ladies. If you don't have time, don't get married. Don't do it. Yeah. Because marriage is constantly working. And so you need to find if the morning time works better for the both of you, then wake up an hour earlier. If the nighttime works out better for you, then go to sleep just a little bit later or put the kids down earlier. Just find a way and a time. That's good. That's really, really good. Um, Principle number two. And principle number two says to nurture your fondness and admiration, which is so hard to do, especially when you're so angry at your partner. So in order to revive a relationship, fondness and admiration must be present regardless of your partner's flaws. Oh my gosh, so many flaws. Um, What are some things that you admire most about your husband? You know, I admire a lot about him. And and I don't say that because he's my husband. I say that because he genuinely is just such a good person. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that I really admire about him is how patient he is. And that's in every aspect. Mm-hmm. He's... That's good. He's patient with people. He's patient in doing things. He's very slow to anger. And I love that about him because I feel like I tend to be a little more impulsive mm-hmm. to where he kind of just calms me down, brings me off my high and, you know, really like helps me see things rationally. So I, I really admire that about him. 
So if we have one way to, if you want to measure your fondness and, or if you want to measure your husband's fondness of you, one great way to find out or to ask is what are the early memories you have with your partner? So ladies, go and ask your husband, what are the early memories that he has with you while dating? Um, does he even remember? Are they good stuff? Also, what are the qualities? Ask, ask him that. What are the qualities that um, you have that made him fall in love with you? Because Dr. Gutman says that if it's good, positive stuff, okay, we're on, we're on a good track. So um, Tiffany, what are your early memories with your husband? And you know, I, I know you did already tell me some of the qualities, but um, what are some qualities you first started admiring about him? Um, I think as far as early memories go, um, I, like I said earlier, you know, we both had full-time jobs during the week. And so weekend weekends were just so precious for us because that was the time that we had together. And so I remember, you know, we would wake up on Saturdays, um, we would get ready. He would come pick me up and we would start the day off by going off to have breakfast. Now there was plenty of more exciting dates other than breakfast, but the reason I tend or I choose that memory is because breakfast just became such an important part of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, an intimate moment between the two of us. It was early in the morning. Not a lot of people were around. Uh, we, we held a lot of important conversations during that time. And so that just became one of my favorite memories of us dating. And now, you know, being married, having Ava, um, it's, it's now something that we've carried on over. You should totally write a book on like, like call like breakfast date or something breakfast. like that. Oh, yeah, that would be, <laughs> That'd be cute too. <laughs> yeah. And, um, oh, and as far as, you know, admire or admirations, I, I, I think I've always admired what I previously stated about him, which is his calmness, his patience. But another thing... Is that thing, something that you noticed early on? Like oh, absolutely. First? Absolutely. I think that might have been one of the first things I noticed. That and just the way he carries himself overall, um, his, his respect for people. I have never, to this day, five years married... Um, a year of dating and eight months of engagement. I have never to this day heard that man res raise his voice at anyone, Ava wow. and I included. Wow. And he's just always respected me on such a whole different level. Right. And I've just always admired that. And I've, you know, early on, I was able to see that. I was able to see his respect for everyone. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter what title you held. He just holds a respect for people. And so that's just been something that, you know, like I said, early on, like attracted me to him. And that's really sweet because you cannot, you also know how he is at home by the way that he treats people that he doesn't know. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. And if he's respectful and gentle with everyone else, then that's how he's going to be yeah. Oh, yeah, towards you as well. So Dr. Gottman says, and I feel like this is such an important quote. Okay. So write it down. 94% of the time, couples who put a positive spin on their marriage history and their partner's character are likely to have a happy future as well. When happy memories are distorted it's a sign that marriage needs help, he says. So ladies, if your husband's saying, I don't know, I don't know what the early memories are, hey, red flag, honey. 
But here's the thing, fondness and admiration, that, especially when we're angry, oh, yeah. that can go away really quick. At the moment, you're just annoyed. So one of the things that we have to do is constantly remind ourselves of the good qualities our husbands have. Because if not, that fondness and admiration can easily be tainted. It's that fragile. I think especially when you're angry. Especially so when you're angry. So a lot of the times is when you are angry and, and you're annoyed with him, start scanning at the good qualities, which by the way, I don't know if you know this, cognitive behavior therapy tells us a lot on how to start changing our thinking, okay? So um, if you are having a bad day, start thinking about all the good stuff. And then, you know, it's, it's proven that it's going to switch your day around. So same thing with your husband. Um, or if you're just having a bad day, scan through it, the moments, the, the good things that about him, the fondness that you have. I'm not going to lie. Okay, I've done this, Tiff. And oh my goodness, is it hard. Oh, yeah. It's hard, but it works because the other day, you know, our little one, she was just screaming and I was like, get the bottle right. yeah. oh, <laughs> and yeah. like, hurry up. And I was so annoyed. I'm like, well, I don't understand what takes you so long, you know? So at that moment, instead of blowing off, like I usually do, um, I had to start going through that scan, like start going through the list of what is it that I, I appreciate about him. And honestly, it really did work at that moment, really? I did feel like it, it's, it calmed you down. It calmed me down and it made me really appreciate again, who he really is. And mm -hmm. just because he doesn't make a bottle as fast as I do. <laughs> <laughs> so have you, oh, but, um, he's also saying, Dr. Gottman's also saying that besides scanning, you know, kind of like re going through all the great qualities to also let him know. Oh. So to also rem like let them know, when I'm mad, I'm not going to tell you how great you are. I'm too mad to tell you. Have you ever failed to let your husband know the qualities? Oh, yeah. And, you know, what I think is worse is not only have I failed to let him know of those qualities in a, you know, in a moment of anger, but I've also, through my words and through what I've said while I'm angry... I've allowed him to believe qualities about himself that are negative and that are false. Ooh, say, wait, say that one more time. Yeah, I've allowed him through my words when I'm angry, I have allowed him to, to believe qualities about himself that are negative and they're false. Wow. And they're false. They're false. It's just me in the heat of a moment. Because right now you forgot to, I don't know, take out the trash. Mm. Suddenly I'm going to make you feel like a failure. Like you failed me, you failed my marriage, you failed everything because you forgot to take out the trash. And the thing about words, and it's something that, you know, I'm really trying to work at when I become angry or when, when I become upset, because the thing about words is you can never take those back. Mm -hmm. You can't put a bandaid on them. That's those true. words will forever be there. Very true. And so Lord forbid he ever believe He's all these negative qualities. Give me, give me like a, like a sneak peek. Like what is one thing that you've said that's completely false, mm. but out of anger you said, you don't help me with Ava. Okay. Okay. That is completely false. Yeah. This man bends over backwards so that I can go to target by myself so that I can go to the gym every day. He makes sure he comes home tired mm. after 10, sometimes 12 hour days. 
and says, babe, do you want to go to the gym? I'll take care of Ava. Mm. You know, so that is completely false. And I've, uh, in, in moments of anger, I have allowed him to believe that he perhaps, or make him believe that he perhaps isn't as good of a dad or isn't, isn't meeting up to my standards. Wow. Wow. Oh, because I was angry. And so I've really had to learn how to bite my tongue in those moments of anger. Because again, I can't take those words back. And I've gotten a lot better, but when I've noticed that I've done it, I always make sure to reassure him that that's not true. That is not true about you. And here's for that one bad quality that I just made up in the heat of my, my anger, for that one bad quality, let me give you about 10 Ooh, good qualities. Good. That's good. That's good. That's really good. And I like the fact that you said that with every one negative false thing that you say about him, you make sure to go back. And, you know, I think that's something, a challenge that not only I, but maybe all of us can take because here's the, and, and I feel like this one is a very common one. You don't ever think about me. Right. Oh yeah. I, I know I've said this. If you feel your, yourself getting to that point, step away. Step away from the situation because, you know, again, once again, you can't take words back. So just step away so you don't say them at all. Principle number three, turn towards each other instead of away. Couples who engaged in lots of interaction tend to remain happy. When engaging in such interactions, you are connecting. Therefore, you're turning towards each other. You're building that trust. So an example of turning towards each other, and Dr. Gottman gives a great example, is you go to the grocery store, and one couple looks at the other and says, hey, do we have butter? The couple says, "Mm, you know what? I think we're out, actually. You might want to go ahead and get some more. Turning away from each other would be, I don't know, and keep scrolling through your phone. Turning towards each other could also be um, doing something extra for them when you know when when you know that they're having a bad day. Um, Tiffany, what are some things that y'all do to turn towards each other? So, to my understanding, turning towards each other just basically says you're a team, right? Correct. And so, you know, I think the obvious answer here is, oh, we communicate, we we make decisions together. But I'm gonna take this one a different route. So I think the obvious answer here is by talking everything out and making decisions together, which is very true and it's very important, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different route with this one and I'm going to give an example that's not so obvious. So I think that something that I love about my marriage is how we're able to turn to one another with our insecurities and our emotions. Oh, tell me, tell me about that. What, What do you mean by that? So, okay. So hear me out. I think we all have these bizarre insecurities that only we see. For example, you may think, oh, my ears are huge. And you may tell me, Tiff, I hate my ears. My ears are huge. I may look at your ears and say, you're crazy. You have the perfect size ears. It's an insecurity that only you see. Nobody else sees. Okay. Nonetheless, it's still an insecurity and it's still a real emotion. Right. Me saying, Vana, you're crazy your ears are fine, that's not going to make your insecurity go away. Okay. That's not going to change your emotions. Correct. Or sometimes you get mad or something upsets you or offends you and it's it's something dumb, like something I said unintentionally. Okay. Me saying you're overthinking it, you're looking too much into it, that dismissing 
Your emotions doesn't make them go away. Mm, That's true. That's true. And something I love about my marriage is that I can turn to my husband and he can turn to me with the most bizarre insecurities or the craziest reason that made us upset. And he's going to be receptive to it and he's going to validate it. So he's going to listen to me regardless of how crazy I sound or how dumb it is. I've had relationships. I've had friendships where... I bring something up and they're like, no, you're dumb. You're, you're just looking too much oh, into right, it. Right. So now not only is my insecurity or my reason for being reasoning for being upset still there, but now I also feel dumb for even bringing it up. Right. Or for feeling that way too. Yeah. For feeling that way. Somehow we expect hearing, oh, you're crazy to be comforting. And it's not, it doesn't dismissing those feelings don't make them go away. And so I love that I can turn to my husband and I, and say, Hey, you know what I really don't like about myself is this. And even though nobody else notices, he's not going to say, Oh, well, you're dumb. Get over it. So how do you guys respond to each other? Like when you do present an insecurity, what, how do you, how do you, how do you respond? You know, we're very respectful and we're very receptive to it. So for example, one day, you know, we went out and we were around a group of people and I said something, I meant no harm behind it. I had no bad intentions. It just, perhaps the way I said it didn't sit right with him. Okay. Um, and so when we got home, he says, Hey, you know what kind of bothered me? He says, he says, and I know that you didn't mean anything by it, but you said such and such thing. And it just didn't sit right with me. I could have gotten defensive and said, Oh my gosh, you're so insecure. Get over it. It it wasn't that deep. I could have done that, but that wouldn't have made his emotions go away. So I said, you know what? I didn't realize I did that. I said, and you're absolutely right. Your feelings are valid. Okay, next time I know. When, you know, again, it's a lot of times it's things that we do where we really didn't mean any harm by it. And so naturally we, we want to jump on the defensive side and like, well, hey, you know, and we want to defend ourselves. Right. But that's not what a team does. You're not playing for yourself. You're playing together. Ooh, I like that. And I like so... By doing that, I'm showing him, hey, you know what? We're a team and we're going to work this out together. Even if it is small, it's not dumb because it's your feelings. Mm, I like that. I like that. So, and also another way um, to go towards each other or to turn towards each other is just really helping each other out. Not only like Tiff said, you know, accepting your or each other's emotions, but also literally helping each other out. Being helpful with each other will do more to strengthen the passion in your marriage than two weeks in the Bahamas. Because typically, we always hear when people are trying to work at with, or when people are trying to work on their marriage, oh, we're gonna take a vacation. No, honey, what you need to do is work on the real stuff. Stay home and work on it. There's two obstacles to turning towards each other. Okay, obstacle number one: missing a bid because wrapped it's, it's wrapped in anger or any other negative emotion. And here's what I mean by that. My husband, um, I want to say it was maybe a week ago, he was doing something in the living room and it was getting on my nerves. Um, and I just said, really? I said, do you really have to do this right now? And he looked at me like, 
he looked at me like I was crazy. I mean, I'm sure I came off a little crazy. Um, instead of, hey, baby, do you think you can just go to the room and do that over there? It's right. it really making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is when you come off or when you say something and it being wrapped up in a negative emotion. Um, so that's going to create an obstacle because at that moment we were already on fighting mode. And the second thing that's going to be an obstacle is go. Oh, I like this one. Being distracted by the wired world, mm-hmm. AKA the thing that we carry around on our phones half the time, actually not half the time, all the time. The culture of distraction doesn't benefit the intimate relationships because it requires aware and paying attention. Also, don't distract during a conflict. Are you bad at this? I'm bad at this. For an example, um, let's say we're upset about something and if, if in my mind I'm done, I don't want to talk about it, I don't even care. Like, I'll just grab my phone and I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like, I could, I don't even know. Like, I could probably just be Googling, I mean, scrolling through Google. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. He's trying to talk to me and, and you know, solve the conflict. And I, I look like a little 14-year-old girl, you know, who just got a phone. Um, so don't, self, don't self-distract during a conflict. Be in the moment and try to find the solution. Tiffany, and I know that you and I have talked in the past, we've talked about me time, you know, like we need that me time, um, you know, now that we have girls and stuff and how sometimes can I just be on Instagram for 10 minutes kind of thing. But how can we separate me time or being wrapped up in the web world? I think it's important to really learn balance. Oh, I agree. That's, that's what I would say too. I stay home with Ava 24 seven, like even a restroom break is rushed. You know, so there's very, very, very little me time throughout the day. And so at the end of the day, when she goes down, I'm just ready to like lay down and do nothing and remain unbothered. But then here comes my husband who has been surrounded by men the whole day and who hasn't seen me, who hasn't really talked to me. And so now he wants my attention. So what we do is we intentionally schedule our me time. Okay. And so what I mean by that is we intentionally schedule for me to go to the gym for an hour. For me, and me time looks different for everybody. Correct. For me... I love going to the gym because it's just time away from everybody and it's time to like unwind, especially at the end of the day. So when he gets home, we have a schedule. It's like, okay, you go. And so I go and just kind of unwind. Has there been any moments that, because life happens, that interferes with that scheduled me time? Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, And I think that's something that you really have to be flexible with because it's life, you know? So I won't always have that. I'd be lying to you if I told you I have that hour every single day because I don't. There's, you know, nights where we have church, nights where we have something going on and that's okay. But we make sure it happens at least a few times a week. And at the same time, it's also important to schedule that time with your husband. Another thing that, you know, we do for me to get that me time, and even for him, because he obviously needs that time too, um, is we schedule time with friends. Like me with my friends, him with his friends. And yeah, of course, us together with friends. But, you know, 
because sometimes I do just need to get away from my household. And so, you know, at least once a month, I'll go to brunch or to dinner with a friend and he, he stays home with Ava and vice versa. Um, so you're pretty much saying scheduling. That's one way to kind of, um, create that boundary, schedule that me time, schedule your, you and your partner's time, schedule, uh, you and friend time. So it's all about just scheduling, scheduling that that's really good. Even, even your time together. I think it's important to schedule dates. We will go as far as like looking at a calendar and saying, Hey, you know what? On this Saturday, I don't think we have anything going on. Let's, let's plan a date for that night. And I'll, I'll book a babysitter in advance. And I, I know that like scheduling sounds crazy, but in this season of our life, if we don't stay organized, it's going to, it's going to take effect on my marriage. Oh, for sure. And so if scheduling is what I have to do to keep my marriage from crashing and burning, then I'm going to do that. And well, also I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to say something that your husband told me, uh, maybe two weeks ago, I believe. Um, but we were talking about creating those boundaries, especially from work. And one thing that he said is you have to create boundaries around the things that are important to you. Oh yeah. And, and I love that he said that, you know, so, because it's true, like that's something that we have to do, create boundaries from work, create boundaries from friends Mm -hmm. around those things that are important. And and in our case, I know that it's, it's our husbands and our little girls. Um, so principle number four, let your partner influence you get this. Did you know that there's big controversy on this? Like there's people making a big hype about this. Dr. Gottman's research showed that men who allow their partner to influence them had a happier relationship and are less likely to divorce. To me, honestly, this basically means like the, or the, the saying, uh, happy wife, happy life. That's what I feel like he's just trying to say in fancier words. Um, have you influenced your husband in something? Yeah. You know what? I think, I think we've both influenced each other. And it's funny because, and I've shared this with you before, but it's funny because I've never, from the moment I met, from the moment we were friends, I've never even, I've never questioned whether or not my husband was the right person for me. However, for a very long time, I questioned whether I was the right person for him. And now this year, more than ever, I have seen just how well we balance one another. And they, they say opposites attract. And I think there's so much truth behind that. And I believe that there's logic behind that. Um, but we, we balance our, each other out so well. And so I've battled a lot of insecurities, you know, trying to, to convince myself that I was the right person for him. But I think that this past year, I've really been able to see the beauty in our partnership. And I've been able to see that God makes no mistake in who he puts together. That being said, I think our differences is how we influence one another. That's really good. Again, like I said earlier, he's extremely calm and very, he's very observant. And that's influenced my impulsiveness because I'm very impulsive. So he's been able to influence me in the sense of like, hey, hold on, let's work out the logistics first. But in the same, my spontaneity has also influenced him to stay out or to step out of his comfort zone. Okay. So, you know, because I feel like his calmness or his wanting to, to figure everything out in, in perfection and his, him being so observant sometimes can hold him back. 
you know what I mean? And so now my spontaneity has kind of pushed them to, hey, you know, it's okay to do things spontaneously sometimes. And so I feel like I've really influenced him in that way. And now he's been able to explore his goals and, and go for his goals just a little bit more aggressively. So you're on the fast lane, he's on the slow lane, but together you guys are just on the perfect pace. (laughs) I like that. I really do like that. Dr. Gottman has also said that men must be, ooh, get this part, get this part. This is the one that's got people heated. Men must be willing to share power to prevent destruction. And you know that in today's world, it's all about equality, which, hey, you know, power to everyone. I get it. Sure. But we grew up knowing that the man is the head of the home. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about sharing power mm-hmm. yet allowing the man to be the head of the household? Because let's be real, biblically speaking, that's what, that's what the Bible says. Right. I didn't make it up. That's what the Bible was saying, that the husband is the head of the home, right? That's what it says. Somebody quote me on this. <laughs> <laughs> am, I make, like that, I'm sure. <laughs> am I making it up now? Um, <laughs> So how, okay. What do you think about the two? I agree with allowing the man to be the head of the household. And again, this is a very unpopular opinion. So if I've already lost you, just, just hear me out for a second. I'm going to lose listeners. (laughs) Yeah. Just hear me out. Let let me, let me explain. So yes, the Bible talks about being submissive or being a submissive wife. And I think this is probably the most hated part of the Bible for women, you know, especially in a feminism World. world. And, um, Because I think when we hear being submissive, we think, oh, we're his slave. You know, we cater to his every need. Nowadays, we live in a, in a feminism world that tells us that being submissive to your husband means that you're weaker than him and that you're not capable to do the things that he does. Um, That's good. But I don't think that's what being submissive means at all. I agree. I think that being submissive is actually part of what makes a marriage work. I'm very capable of doing, doing things on my own. Oh, of course. I'm also very capable of probably doing the stuff my husband does, only I can probably do it in heels. So, you know, I, I, I can do those things, but there's beauty in not having to do them. Oh. There's beauty in not having to do them by yourself. So being submissive, it doesn't mean to be his slave. And in fact, I feel or I believe that the process of, sub- of submission begins with him. So when a good man truly loves his wife, he isn't selfish. I like that. He not only has your best interest in mind, but he will always put your needs before his own. My husband will rather starve than to see my daughter or I hungry. And he works his butt off to make sure that we have absolutely everything we need and even everything we want. So not only does he provide, but he goes as far as putting my dreams before his own. Anytime I, I have, you know, oh, I want to do this. He will go and do all the research and he will figure out a way to make it happen. So knowing that and seeing that in him, why wouldn't I allow somebody like that to lead me? That's really, really good. And you know, I feel like, especially in today's society, when we think of, oh, the man being the head of the home and such, we think of it in a quote unquote machista. Yes. Yes. 
This doesn't come from a machista point of view. This doesn't come from, I'm the man, I make the rules, you got to follow them. You're the. It doesn't come from that point of view. And I like, this is the way that, this is the way that I like to think about it. Cause it just makes sense in my head. But if you think about it like a company, so like a family being a company, right. okay, you got your CEO and then you got the right hand man, whatever, you know, right. they call him. Um, so I have to trust that the man I chose, exactly. that the man I chose is a good enough CEO for my company. Yes. For this business. Does that make sense? Yeah. And like any good CEO, if there's a big company decision, what is he going to do? Right. He's going to go talk to the board. And he's going to kind of look at all the opinions. He's going to look at um, the pros, the cons, and then make the ultimate decision. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like the head of the home that my husband is, that's exactly what he does. That he takes my needs, you know, like you said about your husband, he takes my needs, my desires, my opinions into consideration too. Because dude, honestly, if, if a man doesn't do that, if he just makes a decision without consulting, to me... I think that's disrespectful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, you're just being straight up disrespectful. Don't marry him. Don't marry him. Exactly. And, um, I mean, just like any CEO, like I said, going back to the whole CEO thing, to me, that just makes sense. You know, a good CEO will consult with the board right. first. Right. Will consult with his right-hand man. And in this case, it's me and my husband. Uh, you know, I love that you said that, is that he he seeks the opinions of everyone else or, you know, of, of his uh, right hand Because I think a lot of times people think that being submissive means you don't have a voice or you don't have an opinion. And it's, it's not that at all. It's exactly what you just said. I agree. No, I completely agree. So also, um, besides the man, us women have to allow ourselves to be influenced by our partner. Is there things that your husband has influenced you on? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And my husband influences me all the time. And again, you know, earlier I mentioned that, you know, we influence each other with our different personalities. And so I I feel like that's the biggest one is he has really just taught me how to take a step back and how to really examine the situation before making decisions. So Tiffany, if you had your own principles, because those are the four principles that, you know, out of the seven, we're only going to discuss four today. Um, but if you had your own principles to making a marriage work and you had it, you can only choose three. Okay. Okay. What would be your three principles? I think number one, I would go back to something I stated earlier, and that is creating a space. A safe space. Oh, I love that one. For open and deep conversations. So that means you're receptive and it means you're respectful of everything your your spouse says, as well as you're respectful in how you speak to him. I like that one. The purpose, and you know, you hear it all the time, uh, communication is the key. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of every conversation should always be to construct and never to destroy. So if you can set these boundaries and create a space where your partner feels comfortable to share absolutely anything without you leaving the house or without being scared that, you know, he's going to cause a huge argument, then you're going to find transparency in your marriage. Wow. And so, you know, again, communication is key. So if you can just create the safe split or the safe space, I'm sorry, from the get go, your communication is going to just be that much more intentional. My second one would be to protect your privacy. 
We live in a world, in a very social media world, that feels the need to post every single detail on social media or tell your friends everything. But I believe it's important to protect privacy. Susie on Instagram does not need to know when my husband and I have an argument. Mm-mm, sorry, Susie, you're not going to know. No. Susie also doesn't need to know every last gift that he's ever bought me. Correct. I think it's perfectly fine to, you know, show off your man from time to time. You know, oh, he bought me flowers. I'm going to post a picture of how great he is. I think that's, I think that's totally fine. But you don't need to post every Everything. small gesture. Correct. Leave space for just intimacy between you and him. Leave privacy for you to leave things between you and him and leave everyone else's opinion out of it. That's really good. You know, then you guys have memories that are just between the two of you that nobody knows. Memories that only you know, only he knows and no one else. I love that. So I think, you know, really protect your privacy. And the last one I think is one that I've recently really learned the importance of and it's be careful who you surround yourself with wow. and the environment that you surround yourself with. Yes, yes, yes. You I know, agree with you. Um, I would say if you have a friend who, when you're angry at your husband, she lets you sit there and completely destroy his character in, in what you're saying, that's not a good friend. Ooh. A good friend is going to tell you, okay, Vanessa, but maybe you shouldn't have said this. I think it's important to, to, Eliminate the friends that aren't aren't helping your marriage grow, that are hyping up your negativity. Wow. Um, as well as, or perhaps she's influencing you to make decisions or to do things that are disrespectful to your husband or disrespectful to his emotions. And I also believe that it's important to get plugged in in a place that has things for your marriage to grow. That could be a church, that could be church groups, that could be marriage conferences. There's so many things out there that you can do for your marriage to continuously grow. Any final words to someone out there, male or female, just anybody out there who may be dealing with the rocky relationship? So what do you've got to say if somebody's just dealing with that rocky relationship? Run, sis. I'm kidding. (laughs) Run. Um, No, I would say to really learn your partner's needs and not your needs. Oh. You know, I I feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's human nature to know our own needs. Yeah. And so a lot of times we give our partner what we need and we don't realize that what we need isn't what he needs. Correct, correct. And so I would say really take the time to, again, have the conversations and really just learn what are your partner's needs and how can I meet those needs? Another thing I think is is very important is to devote to protect each other's emotions. So, yeah. And, you know, just a, a quick example. In my marriage, we work really, really hard on not embarrassing the other person. If my husband does something that annoys me or it irritates me during a family gathering or a party or anywhere where there's a group of people, I will never call him out in the middle of that group of people and embarrass him on something that he probably didn't even mean to do. 
I won't disrespect him or talk to him disrespectfully in the middle of a group of people. And I won't say that I've never done it because I have, but I will say that I try very hard not to. If the other person unintentionally does something that upsets us, we'll, we'll, we always try to wait until we're in private and discuss it. And in private, that means not even Ava's there. Just us That's two. That's wise. That's very wise. Yeah. And, and discuss that like, hey, you know what? Like this, you, you need to check yourself on that. Because I think turning, and again, it goes back to the whole turning towards and turning against each other. Turning towards each other means you're a team. And in a good partnership, you aren't against one another. You're for one another. And so a good partner doesn't embarrass you by exposing your mistakes or like your imperfections or anything to the whole world. A good partner will privately point it out and then help you correct that. That I think shows your partner that you're a team rather than it's you versus me. Oh, definitely. And you know, later on, Dr. Gottman actually does talk about that, how coming together as a team um, which I absolutely love. But also one thing um, I want to go ahead and add on to that, and I'm going to piggyback on what you've said is, you know, just presenting the issue with to the person. Like, hey, I didn't like the way you spoke to me. One, don't present it in an ugly voice. Right. That goes okay. back to uh, one of the obstacles that he said, the obstacle on... Talk or uh, The trading obstacle on... Yes, trading towards each other. Um, and that is don't present it in an ugly way. And also if they talk to you and say, Hey baby, I really didn't like the way that you said that. That was so mean. Like I felt like this. Don't get defensive. Cause I can see myself being getting yeah, really oh, yeah, defensive. Um, so don't get defensive. A lady once told me who I absolutely love and respect, but she said, Vanessa, you can say anything in this world, but it all depends on how you say oh, yeah. it. So if you have an issue with the husband, you it's okay to present the issue with him, but it's all on how we say it. Yes. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope that this isn't the last time that you and I are together. Well, I mean, we're always together, but on the podcast, I mean. Um, so tell everyone where they can find information on your boutique. Yeah, so I have a baby girl and toddler girl boutique. And you can find us online. You can shop our stuff at shopdearava.com or you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at shopdearava. There you go. You heard it at Shop Dear Ava. So make sure to go follow them on Instagram. And if you have a cute little girl, then go ahead and shop around. Have fun with that. And thank you all who are taking the time to listen today. I really hope that you have gained something new today, even if it was a laughter. I'm curious on hearing about your thoughts and feedback on today's episode. And what did you think about our four principles we covered today? Well, not our four principles, but Dr. Gommons. You know the story. If you would like to be a guest or have any suggestions on future topics, you can email me at imperfectwomanpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to live your life to the fullest. We'll chat soon.